As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la uluwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala akramil awalina wal akhirina wa rahmatillahi lil alameen sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Thumma amma ba'd. Dear brothers and sisters, today I would like to talk about a very important topic one that is general and one that is specific. The general one is what we call hukukul ibad. Whatever we do in this world will be governed by the rules of the Islamic Sharia. Same when you come to the mosque, same when you go to the shop. When you go to your job, there is no difference in Islam between the mosque and outside. In Islam, we don't have the Christian concept, leave what is God's to God and what is Caesar's to Caesar. Everything in Islam belongs to Allah. Allah says, Muhammad say, O Muhammad, indeed every matter belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Islam, as scholars define, is deen wa dunya, religion and worldly life. They cannot be separated. Hence, you will be taken into account for everything that you do in this life, whether it is an act of worship or an act of dealing with your fellow human being or even with non-human beings. And in this aspect, whatever you do, you will be questioned about it, but we still can divide anything we do into two categories. The first is what we call Hukukullah, Hukukullah, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you come and pray, if you pray or you don't pray, is there any third party who has received direct harm from you praying or not praying? It's between you and Allah. Same when it comes to fasting, when it comes to hajj, etc. It is an act of worship that is only between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is called hukukullah. And in this, if you commit a sin and you repent from it, Allah will definitely forgive it if you meet the conditions of repentance. And if you die without repenting from the sin, Allah may or may not forgive you. It's up to him. Easy? Easy. The second part of what we do is called Hukukul Ibad, the rights of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the thing that you do and affects others in positive or negative way. You have slandered someone, you have backbited someone, you have unjustly consumed the property of someone. You have stolen the money of that person. You have hit this person unjustly. You have done any form of mistreatment or injustice to anybody. Now a third party is involved. Allah is involved in anything you do as we said from the beginning. So here, it's called Hukukul Ibad, but still Allah has a right in it. Because the fact that you did injustice to someone, you hit someone, you killed someone, you slandered someone, you violated the law of Allah. So Allah is still involved in this. But what is the new equation? The new equation is that a third party is also involved in this. A human being or even non-human being 
is involved in this is hukukul ibad and in this if you repent in this dunya from that Allah will accept your repentance but you have to add one more condition to the four conditions of the repentance which is to return what you have taken illegally from that person to him or to ask his forgiveness and he forgives you and then you repent Allah will accept your repentance if you die without repenting from this which obviously means you have not paid back what you have taken or you have not apologized from it and you have not sought the forgiveness and the pardon of those whom you have done wrong to then Allah will not forgive it Allah will not forgive it because this is a debt in your neck that you have to pay for those whom you have wronged and in this we have the hadith that many of us know the Prophet asked this question to the Sahaba. See, he's putting a fact in the form of a rhetorical question. Atadruna man al-muflis? The Prophet is asking his Sahaba, his companions, do you know he's a pauper who is a bankrupt person? So Sahaba understood it as a face value, a bankrupt a person who has nothing. They said, in al-muflis fina man la dirham lahu wa a pauper is a person who has no money or belongings. The Prophet said, no, this isn't what I mean. Al-muflisu min ummati man yati bi siyamin wa salatin wa zakah. A pauper, a bankrupt person, is a person who comes on the day of judgment with plenty of fasting, plenty of prayer, and plenty of zakah. Is that bad? No. You prayed a lot, you, prayed, you, you, you made a lot of hajj and umrah, you prayed zakah a lot and you fasted so many days in your life, the compulsory and the voluntary fasting. So far, so good. So what, what is the problem then? The problem is in hukukul ibad. So you have observed hukukullah. You prayed more than you need to pray. You fasted, you gave zakah, you made hajj. Perfect. The problem comes in the other side. In the other side of the equation but وَيَأْتِي وَقَدْ شَتَمَ هَذَا وَقَذَفَ هَذَا وَضَرَبَ هَذَا وَأَكَلَ مَالَ هَذَا وَسَفَكَ دَمَ هَذَا but on the other side he has slandered this person and he hit that person and he has backbited that one and he has unlawfully consumed the property of that person and he has injured or killed that person a lot of misconduct when it comes to hukukul ibad so what will happen the prophet says this person who has been wronged by him will be given part of his good deeds the reward of the prayer and the zakah and the fasting that he made so he will be given a portion that will pay for the wrong that has been done to him. And then the other person will be given. And equally, every person who has been wronged by that person who had plenty of salah, fasting, and zakah, until all of his sins, all of his good deeds will expire. So he became what? Poor. Not in terms of money, but in terms of the currency of the akhirah, which is a'mal, the good deeds. What if all of his good deeds finish and still he has not paid back everybody who has been wronged by him? 
still Allah will not do injustice to anybody. فَإِذَا فَنِيَتْ حَسَنَاتُهُ When his good deeds are finished, how the others will be paid then? Everybody has sins. It will be taken from their bad deeds, the sins they have made, and it will be put and added on his own bad deeds. So let's give this practical example. He has one million hasan, good deed. And he has 50 million, uh, sorry, he has half a million bad deeds. Or he has one million and one million to make it easy. So what will happen? His good deeds, the one million positive points that he has will be taken and given to his creditors. Those whom he has wronged. What if his one million finishes? He still has one million bad deeds. It will be taken from the bad deeds of his creditors and will be added to, one, to his one million. So he will finish all his good deeds, the one million, and maybe he will end up having two million bad deeds. And what will happen then? The Prophet says, and then he will be taken and thrown headlong in Jahannam. We seek refuge in Allah from that. So what has ruined this person? Is it his Hukukullah or Hukukul Ibad? Hukukul Ibad. If he did not pray regularly, or if he did not fast that much, or he did not give a lot of sadaqah, anything of this between him and Allah, then Allah forgives him. No problem. But in this, no. In the court of Allah, وَلَا يَظْلِمُ رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا And your Lord will never do injustice to anyone. This is a general topic I want to talk about because the majority of Muslims by and large they fast and they pray with different levels. But at the same time the majority of Muslims fall short on the side of transactions and the side of hukukul ibad a lot of cheating, a lot of bribery, a lot of fraudulent deals, a lot of everything bad. We are the most practicing nation in the world, more than any other religion in terms of our ritual acts of worship. But equally, we are the most involved in bribery and corruption and injustice and violence against one another and against others. So we need to pay attention to that particular point of hukukul ibad because Allah will not forgive it unless the person whom you have wronged has forgiven you so your decree your jannah is bound at the hands of a human being who is more stingy than you and he has all the right to be stingy because in the currency of the akhirah you won't even be able to give your son or your wife one of your good deeds and they equally won't be able to give you because everybody cares only for himself on that day. The wife that you have taken bribe for and the child whom you have eaten the haram for will not be able to benefit you on the day of judgment. They will enjoy the money you acquired from haram in this dunya and it's you alone who will be taken into account for it on the day of judgment. From this general point, I would like to move to my specific point which many Muslims unfortunately are currently involved in. And I'm pretty sure that the majority of the people who are here has something to do with this particular issue. 
It is the issue of debt. You either owe money to someone, or someone owes money to you, or you know someone who owes money to others or who is owed money by others. And in, I can say, 60 to 70% of these cases, one of the two parties does not want to pay the other. This issue is so severe and it's so important that the Prophet ﷺ, who is Rahmah Lil'Alameen, would refuse to offer the funeral prayer on a good Muslim who died with a little bit of debt on him. In so many hadiths, the Prophet would be brought with a deceased Sahabi and he would ask the same question. Is there any debt on him? If the answer is yes, the following question would be, Did he leave anything to pay for his debt? If the answer is yes, he will pray. If the answer is no, then he would say, You perform prayer on him. I can't lead the prayer on him. Because even the dua of the Prophet will not be accepted for such a person who dies with a debt on him. And the mercy to mankind, Muhammad won't be able to benefit that person. That was in the beginning of Islam when it was so tight for Muslims. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enriched the Muslim Ummah after the conquest of Khaybar, and Muslims had plenty of money, the Prophet would himself settle the debts of those who died without paying their debts. The Prophet says, I'm more worthy of every believer than himself. Whoever dies and leaves behind himself wealth, it will be the property of his family. And whoever dies with a debt or some people to be looked after and he didn't leave behind anything to care for his family, it is from me and I will take care of it. But he never offered prayer on a person who died with a debt. In one of the narrations, which are so many, one of the Sahaba who passed away, did he, did he owe anybody to anything to anybody? The Sahaba said, yes, oh, Messenger of Allah. He owes two dinars to someone. The Prophet said, pray over him. So Ali ibn Abi Talib said, oh, Messenger of Allah. In another narration, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, several occasions happened. Oh, Messenger of Allah, I'll pay that debt on his behalf. So it became my debt now. His spirit, please don't deprive him of the mercy of you praying over him, and only then the Prophet would offer the prayer. So you have to imagine how severe the crime of dying without settling debt is, to the extent that the Prophet who is Rahmah Lil'Alameen would not or would decline to lead the prayer on a person who died without settling his debt. And we assume that the Sahaba would die without settling their debt because they either didn't have that money or they had a plan and they died before they could pay. So they intended in the first place to pay. They didn't run away with the debt or they didn't deny it. What do you think when you take a loan from someone and you have the ability to pay and you keep maneuvering? What do you think when you make an oath by Allah that I'll pay you back on that day and every day you give a new excuse? This is a completely different story. In an authentic hadith, the Prophet ﷺ was sitting كان جالسا حيث توضع الجنائز 
Prophet was sitting in the area where the janazah prayer is performed in the masjid. The Sahabi says, فَرَفَعَ بَصَرَهُ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ ثُمَّ خَفَضَهُ ثُمَّ وَضَعَ يَدَهُ عَلَى جَبْهَاتِهِ The Prophet raised his sight to the heavens and then he put it down and then he put his hands on his forehead. This is what we do when we receive some severe news, some bad news, some really heavy news. You put your hand and you what? So the Sahaba wondered at the action of the Prophet Immediately the Prophet said, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, ma unzila min al-tashdeed. Subhanallah, he said it twice. What severe injunctions have been revealed just now? And then he didn't make any comment. And the Sahaba said, we stayed for the whole day, we were expecting a, a disaster to happen from the comments and the facial expressions of the Prophet but nothing happened. So the following day, one of the Sahaba had taken the courage and asked the Prophet as if he was saying, oh Messenger of Allah, you said there are severe injunctions that have been revealed and we observe it, there is nothing that happened, everything is fine. What were you talking about? The Prophet said, Fiddain. The severe injunction that were revealed were regarding the settlement of debt. The Prophet only in a few occasions in the whole Sunnah and the whole Sirah made this oath. Which means what he's talking about is of extreme importance that the Prophet would make such a heavy oath by whom in whose hands the soul of Muhammad is, meaning by Allah. قتل في سبيل الله ثم عاش ثم قتل ثم عاش ثم قتل وعليه دين ما دخل الجنة حتى يقضى دين. The Prophet is making an oath and this indicates the severity of the situation. What is the highest form of sacrifice that you can offer for your Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Anybody can answer? To that, because is there anything that is dearer to you than your own soul, your own life? No. You can sacrifice money, you can sacrifice effort, you can sacrifice anything. But when it comes to your own soul, if you sacrifice nothing left for you in this dunya. That's why the higher the risk of the action, the higher the reward. And the more riskier it is, the more rewardable the act is. And that's what the Sahaba recognized jihad. The Prophet called it to sinam al-Islam. Why? Because when I go for fighting the non-Muslim enemy and I'm defending the Muslim country against the invasion, I'm risking my life. There is a great possibility that I will be killed in the battle. And when I'm killed, there is nothing left for me in the dunya. So jihad is the most rewardable of all deeds. And of jihad, when you are martyred while battling in the cause of Allah, this is the highest sacrifice that you can, that you can offer for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet says, if someone has been martyred while fighting in the cause of Allah, which means there is no act of a higher reward than this, and then Allah gives him another life. And then he goes and fights again in the cause of Allah and he is killed again. And Allah gives him another life. And he goes again and fights in the cause of Allah and he is killed again. So he's killed three times 
fighting in the court. He sacrificed his own soul three times. There is no greater action than this. And Prophet says, and he dies the third time with a debt on himself. He will not be able to enter the Jannah until his debts are paid. Imagine how severe the crime of not settling the debt is to the extent that such a great sacrifice of martyrdom in the cause of Allah will not pardon it. And that's why the Prophet says, <coughs> when he was asked, if I die in the cause of Allah, will my sins be forgiven? The Prophet said, The martyr will be forgiven all of his sins. And then, one or two seconds later, the Prophet made an exception. Jibreel has just made that exception now. The Prophet initially thought that when you die in the cause of Allah, all sins will be forgiven. And then Jibreel came and corrected straight away, say, oh, one thing will not be forgiven, which is the debt. It has to be paid on your behalf, so your Jannah is bound or is waiting for your debts to be settled, even if you offer the highest sacrifice which is to die in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how severe the issue of settling the debt is. We carry on in the khutbah inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Lam yazal fi ulahu samiyya. Qatratun min fayyidi'a tayahu tamlau al-ardariyya. Wa nazratun bi'ayni ridahu. تجعل الكافر وليا والصلاة والسلام على أكرم خلق الله محمد بن عبد الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه ثم أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters We are talking about the settlement of debt and how severe the issue of the debt is It was so severe that the Prophet was informed and was corrected by Jibreel when he said that martyrdom in the cause of Allah will forgive any sin. The only exception was the debt. Even if it was a legitimate debt and that you were planning to pay it, but you died without paying it or making the suitable arrangement for it to be paid on your behalf after your death. It is so severe that the Prophet would not perform the Janazah prayer on the righteous Sahaba who died with debts on them. That's why the Prophet ﷺ made it so clear. Do not die with a debt on you. For it is only in the akhirah the good and the bad deeds. For on that day there will be no dollar or pound. The debt has to be paid. If it is not paid in this dunya, it will be paid in the akhirah. And because there is no money in the akhirah, you will, sell it, you will settle it from the currency of the akhirah, which is a'mal. Your good deeds. One good deed might make a difference in you going to the jannah or to the hellfire. You can't afford to pay a few pounds or a few pennies in hundreds and thousands of good deeds on the day of judgment. So the hadith is clear. Die not while in debt. For on that day, there is no money 
or currency, it is just the good and the bad deeds. And in the authentic hadith narrated in Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ would always and constantly seek refuge in Allah from al-maghrami wal-ma'tham. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-maghrami wal-ma'tham. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from maghram, from overwhelming debts, and from al-ma'tham, from sinfulness. So one of the Sahaba asked, Oh Messenger of Allah, it is so often that you seek refuge in Allah from debt. Is it so severe? The Prophet said, yes. For a man who has overwhelming debts will lie and will break his promises. For a man who has overwhelming debt that he cannot pay or perhaps in our time he doesn't want to pay will speak until lies and will promise and break his promises. The following hadith is weak, but the meaning is authentic and is supported by the previous authentic hadith. The Prophet said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufri wa-day. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from disbelief, kufr, and from overwhelming debt. So one of the Sahaba was kind of alarmed because the Prophet mentioned disbelief and death in the same sentence. So he asked, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, kufra Do you equate death with disbelief? Is death so severe as disbelief? The Prophet said, Naam, yes, I do. The commentators on the hadith, the hadith is Sahih ibn Hibban, but it's weak in its chain of narration, say, why did the Prophet make equation between the death and the disbelief? Similar approach in the Quran when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Avoid the idol worship and avoid the false witness. So Allah combined idol worship, which is kuf, with the false witness to indicate how severe the false witness is. And when Allah spoke about kindness to parents, He said He combined it with the belief in His oneness. And your Lord has decreed that you worship none but Him, the first obligation, Tawheed. And then what? And to be kind to your parents. The fact that Allah combined these two things means they are extremely important. So in this hadith, the Prophet combined disbelief with death. Oh, Master, is it so severe? Yes, it is. Why? The scholars give that true and genuine and authentic explanation. When a man has an overwhelming debt and he cannot pay, or again, more commonly nowadays, he does not want to pay, he conducts himself in the manners of the kuffar and the munafiqun. So he cheats, he deceits, he lies, he promises and breaks his promises. Every day is a new story. Every day is a new excuse. And thus, he conducts himself in the manners of the kuffar and the munafiqun. The Prophet said, the sign of the munafiq is three, and another hadith is four. The sign of a hypocrite is, when he speaks, he lies. When he promises, he breaks his promise. And when he has a trust, he betrays the trust. 
Look at anybody who has overwhelming debt and he does not want to pay or he cannot afford to pay and you will find that these three qualities exactly how he behaves. That's why the Prophet equates between debt and disbelief. And that's why he says, die not with a debt on you. For there is no currency except the currency of good and bad deeds on the day of judgment. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us all. Udu Allah. Alhamdulillahi wahda. Wassalatu wassalamu ala man la nabiyya ba'da. Thumma amma ba'd. Having found how severe the issue of debt is, the brothers and sisters, we need to have so much control over our expenses. Now, many of us have three, four, five credit cards. You go and buy, your car is in finance, your furniture is by installment, you buy a house by mortgage, you go and buy your wife wants the new sofa, the TV has only 40 inch, I want the 65 one, I want the newest technology, the new iPhone, and you keep borrowing, borrowing, borrowing. I'm not talking about the issue of borrowing with interest, which is another completely different haram story. I'm even talking about on the assumption that you will take loans with no interest. Why do you have to do that? Everything you get in finance and by installments. In Egypt they say, if you don't have the price of something, then you don't need it. And stretch your legs according to the size of your blanket. Live, live according to your means. This is the most problematic thing. Most of the debts that we have, we don't need to borrow that money. What if we don't get the newest TV or the latest iPhone or the newest? Why do I have to change my car every three years? Why, why, why? You go and get in debt. Maybe your intention is good. You want to pay. But you know that your resources, your income will not be able to pay. So it's you who bring this to yourself. The Prophet had debts and the Sahaba borrowed money. But if you had the same reasons and the same approach of the Prophet and the Sahaba, I will tell you, go and have a thousand times more than them. Most of us now borrow money for no obviousness. Let's say you, you, you had a problem with your house, the, the ceiling is going to fall and you have to settle it. Okay, that will justify the risk. Your son has a problem and you need an emergency operation. Okay, that's a good reason. But most of our dealings, most of our transactions go beyond what is necessary. The luxuries, we need to have all the luxuries, uh, particularly the wife. My neighbor has that sofa, why not us? We will talk about this in detail, inshallah, next month. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save us all from being indebted and to make us all die with no liability towards anybody in this world. Allahumma ghafir lana dhunubana wa israfana fi amrina وثبت على الحق أقدامنا وانصرنا على أعدائنا اللهم اجعلنا ممن دعاك فأجبته واستهداك فهديته واستنصرك فنصرته وتاب إليك فقبلته اللهم طهر قلوبنا من النفاق وأعمالنا من الرياء وألسنتنا من الكذب وأعيننا من الخيانة إنك تعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من الهم والحزن 
نعوذ بك من العجز والكسل نعوذ بك من الجبن والبخل نعوذ بك من غلبة الدين وقهر الرجال اللهم اهدنا واهدي بنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى وانصر إخواننا المستضعفين في كل مكان واحمي حوزة الدين يا قوي يا متين وصل اللهم وسلم على أكرم الأولين والآخرين ورحمة الله للعالمين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أقم الصلاة